Chapter Twenty Seven of Yesterday Framed in Today by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Seven. He hath swallowed up death for ever. Miriam was in her most winning mood. My poor friend, she said, detaining David's hand in gentle pressure. My heart aches for you. I have longed for opportunity to tell you how fully I sympathized with your crushed hopes. Now you know something of the fears I had for you, amounting almost to torture. I was afraid that some of that poor creature's friends might suffer with him. Can you understand me now better, David, than you did before you knew the danger? I understand your meaning, he said with gravest manner but I understood the cruelty of our enemies better than you supposed, and believed that some of us might be privileged to show our devotion by our lives. But that was not to be. We need not talk about it now. No, she said, we need not talk nor think about it any more. I am sincerely sorry for you, David, for I know what you must have suffered. Friendship with you means a great deal." but I will not deny that a great terror has been lifted from my heart. I cannot but be glad that the barrier that seemed to threaten our friendship has been removed. I knew the time would come when you would realize that you were following a delusion. But, oh, it was hard to wait and be afraid all the time that evil would touch you first. You do not wonder, do you, that I feel almost happy now that it is all over?' Her smile was one that only a few weeks before would have thrilled him. He looked at her now in dumb surprise, and felt as though his heart was dead. "'Can anyone be happy now?' he said vaguely, in view of the awful crime that has been committed. "'I know,' she said. "'There was most unnecessary cruelty. Do not imagine that I excuse it. I said all the time that it was horrid.' do not let us talk about it such things are dreadful let us talk about ourselves david i have had to seem cruel myself i am afraid in order to self-control do you know i had an awful fear that this matter might in some way separate us permanently besides as a family we are so closely connected with the government that to have appeared in the least disloyal would have been dangerous Oh, David, I am so glad that it is all over, and we need not waste our precious time together in talking about it any more. How was he to talk to this girl? All over! Could any words be more sharply contrasted than hers and Mary Rothwell's? More because he must say something than for any hope he had of impressing her, he said, You feel that because a friend is dead and buried, all is over? Is death, then, a matter of such infinite importance? Now, David, leaning forward and placing her hand lightly on his arm in the old manner that used to be irresistible, I do not mean to be unreasonable. A grave and a memory are sacred things. I do not mean to be jealous of either. But, after all, they are very different from a living obstacle. She hesitated over the last word, and smiled that old daring smile she used to have when resolved to speak words, whether they shocked or not. "'You do not like me to say that, do you? But he did come between us, David, cruelly. Can I be expected to mourn deeply the loss of one who did that?' He could not talk with her. Every word jarred. And yet she was his promised wife. 
he had supposed that the bond between them was broken for ever but she had not so understood it however she was still deceived he must try to explain no miriam it was your decision that came between us i was not to come to you again until i was convinced that i was following a false light that time has not come and never will that i am disappointed beyond words in the solemn change which the schemes of evil men has brought upon us i will not pretend to deny but that i have given him up or that i trust him less than i did last week or that i owe my allegiance less to him now than then i also deny the vows i took were for eternity and have nothing to do with death you do not in the least understand what he was and is to me there are times when i fear you never will david she said passionately you are cruel have you learned from this new teacher never to forgive hasty words spoken under the excitement of terrible fear i tell you i feared for your life and was trying to save you i never meant to separate us but only to force you away from an awful danger why should you talk to me in this way why should i not understand your religious life am not i too a member of the church what can you mean to do save to take a leading place in it as a man of your position and education would and why should i not be in utmost sympathy with all that david arose abruptly he had no words that fitted miriam brownlee to prolong the interview seemed impossible to her earnest protest he replied that he could not talk longer could not even think clearly some other time as soon indeed as his bewildered powers had rallied sufficiently for him to know what to say he would try to explain to her what she was now very far from understanding his beliefs and his future desires and plans he ought not to have called yet the blow which had come upon him had been too recent his faith was stunned he told her with the gravest of smiles but by no means dead as soon as he knew how to tell her about it she should see him again she looked after him with darkening brows as he moved rapidly down the street she was disappointed and perplexed fanaticism has a deeper hold upon him than i supposed but a leader in his grave is certainly not formidable who would have believed that david holman could be such a fool yet he is more noble in his folly and more interesting than any one i ever knew i can afford to wait until he rallies but it is all very trying these were some of her thoughts as she watched as for david he spent the remainder of that day alone as far away from people as a long tramp into the country would take him he reached the church after evening service in time to walk home with margaret though he slay me yet i will trust in him were the words among others that floated through the chaos of his brain they recurred to him again and again and the import of his thoughts may be gathered by the fact that he said at last aloud and solemnly albeit there was no one near to hear though he has allowed himself to be slain yet i will trust in him the lord in his mercy help me to do so to his relief margaret asked no questions about his interview with miriam she was subdued and gentle as they neared her stopping-place she broke forth david i want you to know how sorry i am for you and that i do not feel as miriam does 
i am sorry i carried her message to you this afternoon i am afraid she hurt you she seems almost to rejoice over the horrid cruelties that were permitted in the name of the law i did not realize how dreadful it was until i heard those people talk if you feel as they do david it must have been terrible i think you are all in terrible error and of course you will find that out now for yourselves but it was a fearfully cruel way in which to learn it i cannot understand why those in power permitted such doings as there were could nobody have helped it david yes he said a word spoken confidentially in the governor's ears by his nephew felix masters would have done wonders toward staying some of the cruelty and we have good reason to know that he threw his influence all the other way his words were cruel perhaps he was not certain but surely this was an opportunity to try to weaken that bad man's influence over his sister she was still for some seconds then she broke forth again david don't you think mr rothwell prayed to-night for those awful wretches who mocked at and spit upon his friend and even jeered while he was dying he had an example set him said david his voice husky with feeling in his deepest pain our leader said father forgive them we must try to follow and then they were at the gate and david bent and kissed his sister's face and found it wet with tears shed as they had been for another's pain they comforted his sore heart and gave him hope for margaret miriam had had no tears to shed instead her words had jarred even on margaret he waited late that night for philip who did not come then sick at heart and weary almost of life he threw himself ready dressed as he was upon the bed and fell into heavy sleep he was roused by vigorous knocking at his door it could not be philip for the door had been left unfastened for his sake following the knock came an eager voice let me in david quick david sprang from the bed it was john brownlee's voice something new had happened but john's eager face had no terror in it he was all but breathless with haste have you heard he said did you think any of the time that the grave could hold him i didn't and it hasn't it is empty he is here they saw him man do you hear me he is alive i say why don't you shout scream oh i am crazy with joy david stared at his visitor like one in a trance do you know what you are saying he asked at last do you know what you are doing standing there like a statue when the most wonderful thing that could happen has david i tell you that grave is empty the grave clothes are folded and lying there in order the one who wore them doesn't need them i think it is a wonder that the very stones do not shout long afterwards david wondered over his stupidity that morning that any of them could have been so dull of comprehension seemed past belief but at the time he thought it was self-control you are wild he said to john brownlee my dear fellow these awful days have been too much for you don't think for a moment that i have lost faith in him i believe that for some reason which we do not understand he has chosen to die but he is dead don't let us make ourselves insane over false hopes where did you get this story have you seen philip or any of them 
no john said his joy dashed a little by david's quiet positive tone he had seen only some women his dear friends and they had told him oh some women and david turned wearily toward the couch and threw himself down again that is not strange those poor women with their torn hearts cannot be expected to have clear brains but you and i are men we must be brave and bear up under this blow and help the others we shall see him again my brother but not here he has finished his work here giving us all the opportunity we needed and now he has gone i don't believe it said john brownlee and he dashed away again poor david felt that this was almost too much surely he had borne enough without going through the ordeal of trying to help calm such an excitement as this wild story would cause he could not help not until he was stronger physically for the first time since his recovery he felt really ill looking back over his past he said afterwards that that day stood out as one to be described in a single word desolation he went out very soon and wandered about aimlessly not meeting any of his friends and not trying to find them above all he avoided the road that led to the rothwells he told himself that he had no excuse for intruding upon their sorrow but deep in his heart he knew that he must not go there any more loyalty to what miriam brownlee believed was the situation must hold him away he had believed himself free but and then he shrank from himself almost in horror as that but revealed to him a glimpse of his heart was he then so little to be relied upon even as a friend he declined to think further in that direction not until he was rested before that weary day was done he thoroughly hated his own companionship and bitterly despised himself he left the city far behind him and tramped all day until his body ached with weariness but he could not get away from himself twilight found him walking slowly toward his rooms he dreaded to go back dreaded the loneliness and dreaded philip or indeed any of his friends more even than he did solitude he had besought john brownlee to be brave but every vestige of bravery seemed to have gone from him dissatisfied with every suggestion that presented itself for getting rid of the evening feeling sure that in his present mood he could not go to the little meeting that had been planned he moved on with his eyes on the ground and presently ran against a man coming from the opposite direction mutual apologies ensued and a recognition they had met several times at mr rothwell's and had been drawn toward each other they stood talking together for a moment then david turned and walked in the gentleman's direction and the talk grew until both were so interested that david was pressed to go home with his new friend and spend the night he lived but a short distance out of the city david was easily urged he had never felt more sorely in need of the right companionship besides this man had heard the wild rumor of the morning and he wanted to find exactly what he thought about it i confess that it has a strange appearance the other said the grave is certainly empty and the grave clothes were lying there folded as though some person of infinite leisure had looked after them of course our enemies must have had the body removed but it has been done in an unusual manner i have not met any responsible person to-day 
i saw several women who were insane with sudden hope but of course yes said david as though their hope was too preposterous to talk about and that moment a stranger walking their way bade them a courteous good evening and accommodating his pace to theirs asked a question or two about the locality then asked if he might inquire what had occurred in the city lately to cause great excitement and evident depression on the part of some you must indeed be a stranger said david's companion if you have not heard of the tragedy that has taken place in our city question and answer followed until they found themselves detailing the story to this stranger david found it a relief to go over all the particulars to one who though a sympathetic listener yet could listen quietly and seem not utterly crushed under the climax as he talked he felt wonderfully drawn toward the man felt as though he could pour his very heart out to him as he had been able to do with no other when he reached the story of the morning's report he told it as though his poor heart was broken certain women had brought the strange report it had been wildly rumored that one of them had seen him it had all served to emphasize their loss to them as nothing else had done ah but said the stranger it seems to me that you do not understand your bibles isn't there more than a hint there of many things that have taken place what for instance does this mean from that moment he took the lead in the conversation quoting verse after verse from the bible with which those two had been familiar since childhood yet shedding a strange light upon it insomuch that some mysteries were already made plain they exchanged glances of astonished delight and as they neared their stopping place david's host urged earnestly the hospitalities of his home upon the stranger i beg you to stop with us he said it is growing late and there is no good stopping place nearby in the direction you are going we should be very glad my friend and i to have you tell us more about your study of the bible we have heard nothing like it and this subject interests us more deeply than any other will you not stop and help us thus urged the stranger yielded and they entered the house together the table was spread waiting for them and in a very few minutes they sat down to their belated supper the stranger was invited to ask a blessing he bowed his head and with the first word uttered came to david's heart its revelation not a question not a possibility a hope simply a certainty there was no other voice like that in all the world they had been stupid blind it was the master himself who had mercifully blinded their eyes to his visible self while he illuminated their minds with his prophetic history. End of chapter 27